This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Wrestling Network, friends and family, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, from all of us here in the family, in the quad. Welcome to the final Journey Uncharted of the calendar year 2023, and we have now, we've been doing this show now over two years. This is like our 27th episode, I think, 26th, and uh, this month, we'll be doing Little Journeys. It is mailbag month. We get excited about this. It's the second time we've done it. Welcome to Through the Looking Glass. I'm your co-host, Scott Criscolo. And yes, uh, thanks to all of you who participated over on the Place to Be group page with some of your own um, questions, uh, queries about life in an alternate universe. Um, we will get to as many as we can in the time we've decided to allot ourselves. Um some of them we may hold off and do a full episode of, depending on the topic. Uh, some probably could be answered quickly. Some may not. We'll see. But I will not be doing it alone, of course. Let me go to the thunder from down under. And the thunder is bringing down the heat. It's moderately mild here in the northeast of uh, the United States. But it is very mild uh, as it is the summertime on the other side of the globe. Dave Hall, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Scott. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas to you all. Yes, it's. I'm sure everyone's building up to Christmas down here in Australia. We're getting ready. We've got the air conditioners pumping. We've got the ice buckets ready to roll. We're all in shorts and t-shirts, and we're hoping that we can have a Christmas day under a hundred degrees. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's the desire. We'll wait and see, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's always fun to share the, share the journey, but no, I'm, I'm very excited. It's, um, it's a great time of the year, and um, I think it's going to be fun. We're going to be opening some Christmas presents for all of our lovely, amazing listeners, and uh, we thank you all for your uh, for joining us on, on a regular basis. And for those of you that have uh, thrown some ideas and some questions our way, we thank you especially. Uh, this is, uh, this is yeah, like you said, a very excited about mailbag month. It's um, it's a great way to uh, break things up and, and, and try a few different ideas and thoughts. So uh, this should be fun. Uh, I agree. We've had some amazing topics over the past almost over two years. And, of course, we did a mailbag last year. Um, and we will be back, of course, when we begin 2024 with another great episode in January. Um likely about that one pay-per-view in January that everybody loves. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but we'll get there in January. Uh, so we again, thank you. We thank all of you, uh, our loyal listeners uh, here uh, at the PTB Wrestling Network. And of course, around the quad of pods, the PTB pop experience. And of course, uh, the no-so uh, w- with the Jenny position within. Um, so we've got 10 questions which is pretty good, and I think that'll, that'll that'll be pretty good for our for our um, 
time that we've allotted ourselves tonight. We don't want to go too crazy tonight. Um, we do have a couple of backups if we get there, but uh, also um, if we think that a, that a, that a topic, uh, that a question um, may warrant a full episode, uh, we may just do that. So um, let's yeah, we, begin. We might, we might have to. We might have to issue the the buy the the. Uh, the waiver. We'll put the waiver on it and uh, and move it into the full full rotation. Yes, exactly. We will do that. So, Dave, um, since you don't know the question, well, you know the question. You probably saw them, but uh, you don't know the order. I have them here because I, I I like being secretive. <laughs> <laughs> you give me a number, or if you have a randomizer in front of you, from one to ten. And uh, we will uh, we will get started. So uh, give me uh, give me a number, and I'll let you know what question we'll begin with. I've I've got the random number generator going. I've hit the number, and it's come up as number two. Number two. Okay. Uh, so number two uh, is actually it's interesting because number two coincides with another question I got. Uh, privately, uh, that is further down the list. So, but we're going to answer them separately. So, the question is, Dave: In an alternate universe, what if Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H, did not pop his quad on Raw the night after Judgment Day 2001 and was involved in the invasion storyline? Wow, that's a uh... That's an interesting one. That 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 really uh, that really uh, does create quite a quite a dilemma because that whole time period really um, that there was a clear build happening um, with WWE at the time. It was very clear when Hunter Hunter did his quad. And um, oh, before we before we even go there, I've got to ask. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question at you just very quickly. How, how did you cope, Scott, when Hunter tore his quad? I mean, I mean, your your beloved was was put out of action for so long. I mean, heartbreaking. Did, did you did you cry into your pillow at night? I'm just trying to understand the the emotional impact that would have had on you. It was uh, it was uh, I I I did not watch anything from the invasion until 15 years later. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, I watched nothing. Wrestling was terrible. Everything's bad. No, uh, I was I was pretty devastated. I I, I was, um, you know, because he had been on fire as a great heel, uh, you know, for the last almost over two years from when he turned at um, at WrestleMania 15, and he had gone nonstop except for kind of the weird quasi face thing that that didn't happen in you know the fall of 2000 with Stephanie and, and Kurt Angle. But I was pretty stunned because we didn't know anything about the invasion at that time. Uh, I knew that eventually Triple H and Stone Cold were going to feud again. Uh, they had arguably one of my favorite matches ever, ever in all of wrestling earlier that year at No Way Out in the Three Stages of Hell, which is, is, is I mean, is, I, on my GWWE list, I have it at number two. Um, mm. That's how much I love that. That Three Stages of Hell match is just epic. And it's got two guys who just understood understood violence at a time when violence was big. Um, but I was pretty stunned because, you know, not not watching him the whole year, 
was was kind of a bummer. Um, having said that, I did kind of adapt because I felt like the year before, the year before, um, uh, we had the whole year without Stone Cold, and Triple H and Rock pretty much did an amazing job, kind of setting things up for themselves, and and the company thrived without him in two thousand. So I was, I was confident, Dave, that the WWF would do pretty well in 2001 without him. Uh, having said that, I was bummed because he's my guy. Um, but I knew the company, as an objective wrestling fan, I knew the company was going to be in good shape. Now, mind you, of course, uh, as I just mentioned, the invasion hadn't been a thing yet when Triple H uh, got hurt. That wouldn't really come to pass pretty much until um, earlier in June um, I mean, before King of the Ring, maybe it was the night after King of the Ring, they really, yeah, maybe it was the night after King of the Ring, they really started amping up the invasion. Of course, the invasion lasted into November, and Triple H came back, uh, in arguably for me, one of the greatest uh, Madison Square Garden moments of all time uh, in uh, January of 2002. Um, but to answer your question, I was, uh, I was pretty bummed. I was pretty bummed. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, you don't like seeing your favorite guy out, and and, uh, I mean, the descriptions of the injury, like just a literally a clean tear right off the bone and, mm. and the, the, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the muscle rolling up his leg, like a shade, like a window shade, uh, is, is crazy. It's crazy to think about. So. Yeah. And how, and, and how he walked, how he, how he was even able to put, to put partial weight. I mean, I know he was assisted to that, but even the, just the mere fact that they helped him out, that, it, that's just the craziest of the lot. Like that, that, that and, and uh, he, seconds later, he let Jericho put him in the walls. I know, I know that you just, I can't even begin to think of how, how much pain he was in. So That's crazy, right? What, 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 what he did, what he did that night, I think it changed a lot of people's opinion on him. Sadly, a lot of decisions he made in the Subsequent years changed them back. <laughs> right. Um, no, yeah. He um he he was it was phenomenal. And I guess it's it's interesting. You raised a couple of things. If we come back to our question, how might things have been different? What might it look like for Triple H if he hadn't torn the quad? I think I think you you've mentioned a couple of things there that I think were on the agenda. I think playing into into this concept is firstly the idea. I think it was clear that the long-term plan was for Hunter and Austin to go at it again, but from the other side of the spectrum. In, in that, they turned Austin heel. I think the long-term plan was to turn Hunter babyface again and have him and Austin go at it from, from the flip side. That. That's what I think was part of the plan that got cut off when, when the injury occurred. I, I think the, the, the two-man power trip was always going to end up ending in a, in a brutal battle between the two of them, probably with Austin yep. holding on to that, um, that number one heel role and Hunter being turned uh, into a fan favorite, into a, into the baby face that the, the, the crowd would get behind, and I think you would see that happen over time. I don't think it would have been a quick. I I even question. I, I think the other the other factor before I get into perhaps some ideas here, 
The other factor that plays into it is the role that the invasion played. And we know that the invasion uh, shifted focus as well. The, the original plan was to run two separate promotions. Yep. And I, I think, I, I'm just going to hypothesize here, I, I think that perhaps one of the original intentions was to have Hunter and Austin on in separate companies. Like one of them would be the, the lead of WWE, the other one would be the lead of WCW. I think that's perhaps where they were going to go with the two-man power trip. They would be able to sort of go, we're running the show, and then you sort of bring them together for for a battle. But we know that the invasion shifted when it didn't uh, go the way that um, that those early matches didn't weren't received the way that uh, Vince would have liked, especially the the Buff Bagwell Booker T title match, and that really sort of led to the change of direction. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the idea that the invasion storyline continues the way we sort of no, we're not gonna end up with two separate companies and two separate TV shows. We're gonna end up with the the angle that we got that led into the invasion pay per view and up to up to the um, Survivor series. So. I think what would have happened, I think in the early stages, as I as I indicated, is I think the idea was the two-man power trip would continue. I think you, you would have seen a build-up uh, leading into the King of the Ring with Austin being the, the world champion, Hunter being the IC champion, and really wreaking havoc. I, I think you would have seen a beatdown on, on a few baby faces. Um, we'd already began to position... Uh, Jericho and Benoit to to be in that role. So I think instead of a triple threat at King of the Ring, you probably would have got two singles matches. And um, I think Austin would have gone over and, and won, but I think Hunter would have dropped the IC title. It would have been probably a starting point of the breakdown in the relationship. So Austin... Uh, retains his title. Hunter loses the IC title, maybe to maybe to Jericho. I think that um, they really. I always felt that in the early stages of that battle, they were always seemed to be positioning Benoit as the guy who was going to go for the 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 world title. Uh, that's just how I always felt they positioned them at that point. Um, even though I feel that. Jericho got the better run later in the year, but I think they don't. I think that they would have not wanted to have Jericho losing in a, in a world title thing. I think in the back of their minds would have been, can we get Jericho into a primary role later? So I, I think we've got Hunter losing here. And so in the next couple of episodes of Raw, as the invasion starts to build its momentum, as WCW starts making their presence known, we're going to see. Um, after King of the Ring, we're going to see Austin really sort of give the belittling effect onto Hunter. Or almost very similar to what happened with the Angle storyline, um, like like in this time period as well, where you know Austin would, you know, be cozying up to Vince and belittling Kurt Angle. I think Hunter would have slot into that role, but Hunter wouldn't have played the goofy guy. Hunter, you would have seen being irked by Austin getting closer to Vince, and Hunter would not take well to the belittling 
that Austin was doing. Austin would, I think, would be, still have that function. And you would see it beginning to, to build up. And as they, as they lead into uh, invasion, Vince mm-hmm. is going to be trying to keep the peace between them and, and maybe begging, you know, you know I, I don't know that we would have got the begging uh, Austin, begging for the own style cold back. I don't think we would have got there. I think Vince would have been trying to play peacemaker. You guys have got to coexist. And it would look like Hunter is going to be the one who um, maybe does the turn. You know, Hunter's going to be the one that you can't trust, that you, you, everyone would be expecting Hunter to be the one who's going to put a beat down on Austin. And at the invasion, we get the same sort of concept of Austin switching to the alliance, but he does it by dropping Hunter. Drops Hunter with the with the Stone Cold Stunner in the wing, leading to Hunter losing the invasion match for WWE, but in the process, completely transitioning him into a babyface role. And then you've got that build. Really, honestly, I think almost the way I'm sounding, the way I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it, it really feels that Hunter would actually be playing the role that Kurt Angle ended up filling in 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 the in the main in the main timeline in the real real timeline the right the leading the WWE he becomes the the de facto leader of WWE turning babyface in the process probably probably holding off on a match yeah you, know, you you're probably going to get that SummerSlam encounter but I, I would, wouldn't be surprised if they tried to hold it off a little bit longer. Um, but I think that's where I, I feel Hunter would go. But I think that the concept is that Hunter plays the, the, the figurehead leader of the WWE. He's the driving force. He's turned full babyface in the process, leading to a, a victory for Hunter down the track. Um, but, I, you know, again, I don't think it's going to be a long victory. I think Austin oh, – you know what I think the best thing would have been done? I think the plan originally was probably to to lead to a Hunter-Stone-Cold match at WrestleMania. I think that's what they wanted when they created the two-man power trip. I think that's where they were they were hoping to go. And yeah, I think so too. I think, I think that what they would try and do is they would really try and keep them apart. Um, as best they could, and perhaps the the one thing that would run, that would work into the the ability to keep them apart is the September 11 situation, because you've got Kurt Angle probably still trying to play into the American hero role, and so when September 11 happens, I think they can still move Angle into that title match at Pittsburgh, which keeps Hunter away, and Hunter. During that match, Hunter runs in and he and he hits the pedigree on Stone Cold, allowing Angle to get the win in his hometown, as he did. Maybe not completely clean, but you know, Hunter getting that little bit of revenge on Stone Cold for invasion. Austin mm-hmm. wins it back. Maybe even, you know, on TV, who knows? But you then have the um, the Survivor Series match between Triple H, yeah, between Team WWE, Team Alliance. I see here Triple H and Austin. They just they brawl to the back. You cannot stop them. They are 
they're pummeling each other. They they go to the back. They battle, and and maybe it's the Rock who wins for Team WWE, uh, allowing WWE to take control. But we we don't we don't run with the 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 reflip of Austin. I think they're going to build um, Austin basically refusing. I don't want to face you. I'm I'm not going to do it. I don't want. I'm not going to um, give you that shot. And Hunter has to win the Rumble to earn the shot as the baby face against Steve Austin at the Royal Rumble, at WrestleMania. I think that's the direction they, they would have, that, that you would take it. Um, you know, by the time you get to WrestleMania, you've probably got Hunter as, you know, you've probably been able to build him up as the, the most over baby face in the company. Um, they've got everything behind him. The, the storyline is built. He got, he got um, treated like crap by Austin, turned on by Austin. Austin goes to WCW. Hunter becomes the, the, the leader of WWE but can never get the victory over Austin because the Alliance are interfering. The Alliance are always in the way. Um, Angle gets the shot because I think there it is. Hunter, um, Austin starts refusing to face him. And so the the Royal Rumble becomes the only way that Hunter gets that that shot, and um, he gets the shot, wins at WrestleMania, and um, sort of culminates that whole two man power trip storyline. That that's how I think it probably would have gone. I think you're probably right. Um, I like everything you. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, I also like the fact that. Uh, we have a couple of more questions that are in here that involve the invasion. So keep the invasion in your head, uh, Dave, because we got a couple of more different angles, of course, but no pun intended. Uh, but uh, we do. We will have a couple more invasion questions. Um, I think that's pretty much the way it's, it would have been. Um, and I think I think it's a ripple effect because if Hunter stays around and that feud with Steve percolates throughout 01, you go into 02, even with the NWO. Now instead of Jericho and 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 now instead of Jericho and Triple H, you've got Austin and Triple H for the world title. You could still do Rock and Hogan, and not have Austin feel like he got screwed. And then you can have Hall wrestle somebody else. Good angle. Nash was still hurt. You could have Angle fit into that into that yeah, spot. Exactly. So I think it actually works out pretty well that um that uh uh that Austin that 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 Triple H would kind of keep Austin invigorated and um and I I don't think Austin would leave I think it's a ripple effect I think he would feel important um he would still be very high in the in the storyline situation I think even with Brock Lesnar debuting uh I think I think the culture of the building would of the of the place would be a little different, and I don't think Austin would be would be asked as quickly to job out to Brock without any build. Yeah, that I think that too. So I honestly think if Triple H sticks around, I think there's a ripple effect going into 2002 because I'm watching. I'm in one of my chrono watches. I'm in 02 right now. I'm in early June, and Austin just even feuding with Flair just seems so flat. It's yeah. just flat. You know. I think that- I think the big loser in the, in this whole scenario is Chris Jericho. Totally. Because I, I think if Hunter hangs around, 
you've got Hunter and you've got Kurt and you've got Rock and you've got Austin. I mean, they were they were the top four really. I don't think there's ever the opportunity for Jericho to get that world title win in 2001. I, I think it would be a time period where they could elevate him and perhaps turning him heel at the back end of the year and he could turn on the rock and he could turn on, you know, angle, whatever. I think Jericho is the bigger loser, but perhaps in the long run, he becomes maybe the the big threat to Hunter after he wins the title. Or if you want to build to perhaps Brock and Hunter at at SummerSlam the, the following year, um, you might have Jericho become the face of the other brand. And he he maybe gets his elevation at that point. But I, I just feel that Jericho becomes the odd man out if Hunter doesn't get hurt. Yeah, totally. I think Jericho would get his shot in 02. Mm. Um, I, I would still wonder if they split the brand. And we still, you know, the the we still have the WWE title, or yeah, I guess WWE at that point, and the World Heavyweight title happen anyway. Um, I still think that possibly happens. Yeah. Um, and but I do think Jericho Jericho would have to wait it out. Now, would he get pissed off? I don't know. Remember, there's no. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say there's no competition, but I don't know if Jericho would immediately leave to um, uh, to uh like TNA or something like that, I, I couldn't. Uh, that I, well, couldn't. I, think, I, think, I think you would find that um, by not having him win the title in 01, when you split the brand and then when you create, you decide to split the titles and create the, the second brand title, that's when I think you, you look at, you've got the opportunity to elevate Jericho. Jericho could become the first champion on the other brand. Uh, perhaps he wins a tournament. Perhaps he, you know, he 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 rises to the occasion there. Whichever brand needs the champion crowned, I think Jericho perhaps gets his opportunity at that point. Mm, that's not bad. That's not a bad idea. Um, and I think guys like Benoit and all that. Remember, they he got hurt in '01, and Eddie was not around the second half of '01. Um, those are guys you could you maybe think about. Um, Eddie was red hot when he came back in 02 and I just watched Benoit come back in early June and he ended up quickly turning heel cause he was better at that anyway, at that time. Um, good question. Thank you to our listener that, uh, that put that question in, um, because there's another question involving triple H. That's kind of the reverse of that one. But if Dave, when Dave picks that number, we'll ask it. So, all right. Uh, what do we have next, Dave? What All is right, the next so let's get in the random generator going, and we've got number seven. Number seven. Uh, one, two, three. Oh, my God. <laughs> is it it's, the flip side? It's the flip side. I'm not even joking. Okay. This one. I, I promise you this is devastating. This is, this, is not, this is not a setup. No, it's not. Totally not a setup. You just happen to hit the number. Um. However, this one, uh, this one, Dave, we, we we could probably talk a little of it now, but this might be one we do a full episode for because this has huge ripple effects. Huge ripple effects, okay? So the question was, this was one of the private ones I got. What if Triple H pops his quad the night after Judgment Day 2001 and he never comes back? 
Oh. The injury retires him. Wow. Well, you see that that's that is big. That you could you could do yes, that really could be a um a, a big episode. We could have some fun with that one. Um because I mean let's think about this for a second. The ripple effects are just immense. He doesn't come back. Um well, you firstly you don't have you don't have his return. Nope. And you don't have him taking the title from Jericho, which means your WrestleMania main event needs to be altered. The impact of that is probably Austin in the world title, kept in the world title picture, whether he's against Jericho, Rock, Angle, that could be anyone, but it keeps Austin at the top of the card. Correct. And um, and and almost something that you alluded to before probably means Austin doesn't leave because you're not looking at elevating other people into that position. You need to keep him there. Right. Uh, with Rock, with Rock going to Hollywood, if you've lost Rock and you've lost Hunter, and Taker is really he's in a different time zone. Uh, because of who he is, you really need Austin to stay in that top spot. So the immediate, like the short-term effects are you probably don't lose Stone Cold um, right. in, in O2. That's that's the first thing that I, I, I think occurs. Um, I do think, before we go much further at ripple effects, I do think Hunter, while he may retire, would still have his hand in creative i think you would find that he gets um because his relationship with with um with stephanie was well and truly you know locked in by this point it wasn't in the early stages they've been together for over a year now so mm-hmm. they're, they're on the path to marriage which means i think that he is uh transitioned into a backstage role uh Probably the role he fills now, he starts to fill at an earlier time, which might mean perhaps, uh, and he he perhaps replaces Jim Ross uh, at at some point in maybe, you know, those early mid two thousands. You know, he's he's moving into that backstage, uh, creative um, talent relations role. I think that that is going to be the big backstage change that would happen for right. Hunter. Um, right. Because Vince isn't going to have Stephanie's husband not involved, and Vince is not going to have a guy who clearly has a mind for the business not involved backstage. So I think his backstage power increases substantially earlier um, than it does in real life, but Obviously, there's a lot of ripple effects um, outside the business. I think the biggest impact of, of if Hunter doesn't, if Hunter's forced to retire, I think the biggest impact is felt through the role that Kurt Angle is going to have to play. Because mm-hmm. I always felt Kurt Angle was always sort of second field to either Brock or Austin, or Rock, or Hunter. He was always sort of second or third string. As good as he was, he was never given the company to carry. 
Right. I think I think if Hunter retires, Kurt Angle is leaned on with Austin's neck not being good enough to be a long-term option. I think Kurt Angle becomes the the one they lean on to carry the company in in a big way. Um to you know to perhaps a, a, a long-term, you know, multiple month, maybe even 12, 18 month world title reign in that sort of 0203 time period. So that's that's the big change. It's a big deal. That's the big thing I see I see happening there. Well, I see. I mean, the ripple, and th- this is the part of the discussion that we probably would have to take into a larger, full episode because. You're looking at it very short-term, Dave, but let's look at it this way. We don't get the World Heavyweight title. Um, uh, we don't get the World Heavyweight title um, run early on. I think they do bring back the – I think they do bring back the uh, – um, the uh, um, world title – I don't know if they move it around. I'm not sure how that who the inaugural champion is. Um, but here's the big one: we don't get evolution. I was just that just crossed my mind. No evolution. You have to find a more creative way to elevate Randy Orton and Batista. Well. We don't get evolution the way we got it, but if evolution is the brainchild, we, well, not if we know evolution was the brainchild of Hunter. If mm-hmm. Hunter is working backstage in creative, we may still get evolution, not in the same way. But if Hunter had, likes this idea of Ric Flair being the mentor, the two up and comers for the future, and you need the person for the now. It really would be finding the person who could fit the now, as opposed to Triple H. Um, I, I think it's still possible you get some form of evolution. I don't think it's as great as it was. I don't think it's as remembered the way it was. And I think the bigger fallout is whether or not you get the rise of Batista. I, I think you're always going to get the rise of Randy Orton. Uh-huh. But whether or not you get the rise of Batista, because what made evolution work and what made Batista's rise to the top of the card so good was the arrogance and the 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 thought process that Hunter was smarter than everyone. And I truly believe that part of that character was playing into what all of us at home, all of us, those on the internet looked at as Hunter exercising his power backstage. I think mm-hmm. he, I think he allowed his onstage character to play into a little bit. He was, he was the power broker. He was the smartest one in the room. And, um, and that allowed the, the, the Batista character to evolve and develop underneath ready to, to come up against him you could have put anyone in the the evolution stable 
but I don't think it would have worked as well. And I really question whether Batista would have been able to have his rise and, and have the career he got if Tony got hurt. I agree. Um, and then, I have some, and then, I have then some you thoughts. take that. The ne- Sorry, just before we go. And then you take that the next step. You don't get the rise of Batista. You don't get Batista in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. He's not Drax because he doesn't have the he doesn't rise to to the level I think without without Hunter. Yeah. I agree with that. I'm trying Sorry, to think Sorry, are, are we not where you were going to go? Yeah, no, I had no that's okay. I that you're not wrong on that. That's a point that that has that point has to be made and we can elaborate on that if we do make I mean this does sound like an amazing this would be a great episode because no Hunter uh, that's there's a long reaching effects of this that 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 would need to be discussed. The other thing would be if you do have an evolution. You could have Sean. Hmm? I don't know if Sean likes to act well. He loved Flair, so. Yes, um, would, he, would, he, would he have been accepted as a heel? We know he can play it, but when he returned from his injuries, the audience just wanted to, to yeah. cheer him. And yeah. I, I struggle to think that even even when he did the very short run with you know having to play heel to Hogan, he transitioned straight back. Like he he really pretty much the next night he started feuding with Chris Masters. So yeah. And and I think part of that is is his faith, the 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 faith that he built in his private life. I don't think he wanted to. I think he wanted to steer clear of of being the the dick, of being the the hated person, because I think it might have it might have tested him down um, down outside the business lines that he wasn't willing to go. Mm. That's the big one. See, you, you, I, I just would be, I was just under the assumption, Dave, that if there was no Hunter, there was no evolution. You still think there could be because Hunter would still create it backstage, but who would be the guy? It can't be Flair. You can't have Flair in front. It's too old. Um, that, that wouldn't work. It had to be somebody that's in the now. Jericho? Nah. That one may be, that, that specific one, that may be an episode, that may be something we'd have to broach in the future. Because that's yeah. that's a that's deep, but I your immediate plans like oh one, you know I think the invasion obviously still happens, but it's oh two that gets affected because does Jericho still win the title? Does he lose to Austin? Um, so our first two questions really bust up oh one and oh two. Yeah. Um. Because. With Hunter not there, you have a guy that was a babyface in the beginning of the year, and he was the, you know, the 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 spot to win the Rumble and, of course, be the 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 big guy at the end of WrestleMania. Then you get his heel turn, and then we get a great heel run for the next what four years, five years, till he turns face in in uh, 06. Um, and then you know he, the company, you, you can go even further beyond that. Remember he popped the quad again, or the other quad comes back in the. That one wasn't as long. He came, he heard it in January of 07. He was back by August. 
So that injury was not as bad as the first one. But then his WWE and JR and I just did it on the on the mothership. His his WWE title run in 2008 was actually a very stabling factor while the company was kind of going through a state of roster flux. Yeah. Um, so. And then and then if you want to take it further. Like. The, the question that's to be raised when you get to the back end of his of his career, do you get the rise of Daniel Bryan the way because the, the, a lot of the Daniel Bryan was a counter to the authority storyline, which was Hunter and Steph at the forefront. Correct. And yep. and and the rebellion against what was being put forward by them, but it was still, a lot of it was Hunter doing his part-time in-ring work. Right. Um, you know, we, you lose, you you lose just so much of, of what, you know, whether you, whether you, you know, wherever you stand on, on Hunter as, uh, as a, as a performer in ring, as a, you know, did he allow politics to play into it? Did he, did he allow, you know, did he execute, execute, did he use more authority than he, than he probably should have? Wherever you stand on those sorts of questions, the fact of the matter is that Triple H has had a big bearing on the rise of a lot of guys in different ways, whether it's uh, he helped build them up or whether they got built up as a counter because people didn't like they were being held down by, by what seemed to be Hunter, Hunter's work in mm-hmm. rings. So... You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you, you sit there and go, would this still have been the same? Would that you know, would Dan, does Daniel Bryan's rise still happen? Do you still get um do you still get Jeff Hardy's rise? Um, which you guys have sort of you know, were have chronicled over the past, you know, before you shifted direction with the mothership. You know, you you've had a look at at, at the role yeah. that Hunter played in the Jeff Hardy storyline, like you said, that 08 stuff was that was not just Hunter, but it was also him building Jeff Hardy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that might be one, Dave. We we gave it, we gave you the short. For, thank you for the question, and we gave you the short term answer. But there is most definitely a long term answer that Dave and I are going to definitely have to. Uh, research and we will do a I think that's one where we'll do a full-blown trip through the looking glass um, in the future because we pretty much have to figure out um, we pretty much have to figure out um, what happens from there I mean that's that's the entire rest of the decade of the 2000s Mm. by that point because by 2010 2011 he's pretty much a part-timer um so, I mean, it's a ripple effect that, that yeah, people want to laugh at, but <laughs> not as easy as you think. So, um, so we just did, what if Hunter didn't get hurt in 2001, and what if Hunter never comes back in 2001, ever? Wow. <laughs> Talk about two opposite ends of the spectrum. It's a ride, it's a, it's a roller coaster of emotions for me, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> if Hunter never came back, what would I do? Um, you would have probably to find a new beloved. I know, it, it probably would have been punk. <laughs> so okay uh i can guarantee you whatever one you pick next will not have hunter involved well not involved but he's not the question so that i can tell you all right 
Well, we're looking now. The generator has pulled up number five. Number five. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to stick with the invasion. Oh, okay. But this is this has nothing to do with Hunter. What if, in an alternate universe, guys, what if there were no Time Warner guarantee deals and everybody showed up in 2001? Nash, Hall, Hogan, Goldberg, Steiner, Bischoff, DD, like all the all this all the heavyweights show up as part of the invasion in 2001. Not just the misfits, but the mm. the, the power brokers. Sting. And Flair comes early. He doesn't come the night after the invasion ends. He's part of it. So oh, the invasion so WCW is legitimately WCW, not like Thunder. <laughs> that th- this this in itself could this sounds like another one that could be a a, a full a full episode on its own yeah. because you you just bring all that all that talent in, um, you it really it really makes it hard to sort of <laughs> uh, just grasp. I mean that's just overwhelming. How do I th- number one? If you've got all that talent, you can probably run two companies. You can probably run WCW as a separate company because you've got enough talent to do it. Right. Um, I'll, I'll just say that straight out. Like you don't need to go brand split. You can go separate companies from the beginning. So I'm going to just push that aside because that's not that, that's that's an easy answer. How would I bring them in? Uh, let's just, how about we just take this to the invasion pay-per-view because I don't know that we can project, you keep projecting, we can take everyone. I, I think the way to, to start the, the way I think you could probably have started the, uh, the invasion with WCW would almost be to play off the NWO invasion in WCW. The first one of the first people I would have turning up, coming through the crowd, would be either Hall or Nash. Right. I would play right off how the NWO invaded WCW in '96, and I would have, uh, I would probably be launching this before King of the Ring. Um, I would probably be doing it, um, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe the the you, you've got um, we got sort of backlash and um, and Judgment Day tend to be the two uh, are they the two they're the two events that would have been before King of the Ring I can't remember yes my, oh my, yeah okay yep, yep. so yeah you know, Judgment Day um, we know the night after Judgment Day is when Hunter does his quad so this is where I think we start the storyline but started earlier in the night I think it's Paul or Nash, or even both, come through the crowd, step over the railing. We're here. You know, you've been talking a big game. We're here. We're invade. You know, we're the, always the the at the forefront of an invasion. We invaded. You know, we invaded WCW back in '96. Well, we're launching a new invasion. We're coming in. We're taking over. Um, 
you know that that sort of I would I would spoof that original um, the in, angle from WCW right. that, that even the original interviews I'd be spoofing them but in one night and honestly you could draw this out for a long time I'm just trying to get us <laughs> get us to a good invasion uh, right. pay per view event so. I think the first week you probably have Hall and Nash come out. The second week, I think it needs to be a backstage attack. And again, playing off that NWO concept, probably the cameras pick up that Hall and Nash are laying a beat down on some WWI's guys backstage, but the camera clearly sees that Hogan's there as well. But I don't think we see Hogan come out in front of camera this week. But I think Hogan is um, backstage laying the beat down. While in front of camera, you're bringing out someone like Sting for an interview. Sting comes out. He he doesn't do a beat down. He, he maybe even plays a partial babyface sort of role. Um, but you've got that that Sting element. Um, and everyone starts the, – the, the, the talk is coming. My goodness – is WCW invading and and maybe even even you've got a a call in from uh from Shane Shane's playing up you know we're, we're coming I'm 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 gonna I'm next week I'm I'm gonna be here you know we, we, perhaps we build it maybe it's not stinging but maybe it's Shane who comes out and goes next week I'm coming out and you know I'm laying the foundation. I'm 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 setting the setting the 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 framework for what you know what is the future of WCW. So the next week he comes out um, and he brings with him Sting. Okay, so we're in week three. We're building King of the Ring, but Sting comes out, and this is when you know you get the rest of you know maybe Paul Nash and Hogan all come out as well. Initially through the crowd, there maybe sort of confronting Shane, they're confronting Sting, and then they all break into smiles and shake hands and and it's all like, you know, this is us. And so for the next two weeks leading into King of the Ring, these four guys can create a bit of havoc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no match, but just a bit of havoc. But keeping them separate from Austin, I want to keep them separate from Austin because I think Shane starts, you know, Vince comes out and he's like, you can't do this. And Shane goes, I've got a bigger surprise for you. At King of the Ring, we're going to shock the world. And so, you know, for a couple of weeks, these guys are the ones, you know, laying some beatdowns, you know. WWE guys come into the ring, they get laid out. Um, And so we get ourselves to our main event at – King of the Ring, and mm-hmm. perhaps earlier in the show we, we see the Scott. Yeah, you know, they're up in a corporate box. Paul Nash, Hogan, Sting—they're all up in a corporate box. And maybe in the corporate box with them is Eric Bischoff. Um, you know, earlier in the night, maybe you see Shane lead them in, and and Shane doesn't stay there. He comes down, he cuts a promo. That you know, maybe he lays the challenge. At King of the Ring, he says, "Next month, invasion. We want your best, Vince. Bring mm-hmm. me your best." 
your right. five best. I've got four up there now, right? But we're gonna we're gonna have our five best, your five best, WWF versus WCW, and um, that's that challenge is issued at King of the Ring. But during the main event, we all remember, you know, that Shane promised something big at King of the Ring, and from the moment Shane does his interview. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, sorry, Jim Ross and Paul Heyman, because it's not Jerry at the time, Paul Heyman, they start thinking, well, that was the that was the big thing. The challenge has been issued for for invasion. But during the main event, Goldberg comes out, spears Austin. Mm. Um, spears Austin in the middle of the match. Um, the crowd is stunned. He then Spears, Jericho, and Benoit as well. So it's not just so that way Austin keeps the title. He he spears everyone. Sort of stands there, proud of booing him, but Goldberg sort of plays into the thing. Shane comes out and they sort of escort um he sort of escorts uh Goldberg from the ring while pointing at the crowd and said, I told you to it surprised everyone. He looks at, you know, goes over to the commentary table. I told you I had a surprise for you. And as they walk out, Austin can put his arm over um, Benoit or Jericho. He gets the three count, but, you know, it's it's Goldberg has made his statement. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your build happening. We're going in. Goldberg is the fifth member. And, and perhaps, you know, when they come out, you know, Bischoff is now – represented um and so I, I think that becomes your build to uh invasion it's going to be goldberg sting paul nash and and um hogan is team wcw with eric bischoff in their corner and you've got vince trying to rally the troops who can he get who's going to stand up this is the whole you know, I need I need the old Stone Cold. I need Kurt. I need I need all our best. Rock, you guys have all got to get along. And so the next four weeks build is really all around can the WWF function while WCW seem unbeatable at this point? And maybe, you know, if you've got all these guys and Bischoff, I think the one way you could play into that storyline have a bit of fun with it is Vince maybe says, I've got someone to counter you. I've got someone who's going to be, who's got the inside knowledge um, on WCW and is going to help us beat you at invasion. And maybe the Monday before invasion, as team WWF starts coming together and maybe starts to show a little bit of unity for the first time, Vince announces that he has a special advisor to Team WWF and he brings out Ric Flair. And Ric Flair is not with WCW. He's actually with Vince and WWE as the counter because that they complain to the Bischoff uh, hatred and they complain to the Sting. Um, he's known Sting and always Sting was his greatest um, opponent. And they complain to the hatred between... Um, Flair and Hogan, and so WCW are furious. But then you, there's your foundation laid for invasion. 
I've talked for a long time. <laughs> that was great, though, Dave. That was great. I mean, that's a good starting point. And then we go from there. And maybe – I think the other big thing is that maybe the invasion doesn't end in November and this thing goes into 2002. Yeah. Because who's the one person I haven't even mentioned yet is the world champion, Booker T. Yep. We haven't we haven't even referenced him. So I think he's going to start appearing after. Yeah, he's got to be there by invasion. And maybe in invasion, he even he defends the WCW title. Could be against any could be against anyone. Maybe one of the WWF guys faces him and loses. I, I don't know. But yeah, you've got Booker T, you've got DDP, you as you said, you've got Scott Steiner, you've got guys we haven't even mentioned yet. Um and I was just spitballing a quick, oh, you could do this, you could do that to get your 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 invasion pay-per-view. But I agree, this this will go longer. This will get, have to go to at least Mania. It's got to. With, with that much talent and being that loaded, this would not – and Vince would be stupid to do the same thing and cut the thing off. That's just that's – just, now you're just being dumb. Um, I think totally you would have uh, – you would totally have – this go into 2002 you have wcw guys get into the rumble try to mess the rumble up um and then if you know hunter does come back because that you know we're still in that in this in this scenario through the looking glass that still happens he does get hurt but he does come back so that gets added to the equation and and the wcw guys can mock him oh look terror rising's back (laughs) you know or something (laughs) here's your purple cape here's your purple uh Here's your purple, oh. uh, uh, you know, robe or whatever. So that I mean, would it would be, it would be pretty priceless. Um, so I think, so there's no doubt that, um, there's no doubt that this would go on a lot longer. So maybe, Dave, that that this will definitely be a future episode. We map out the invasion storyline through the in, in another universe through the Looking Glass from beginning to end with all of the big studs. With the, the NWO, with Boulder. Yeah, yes. You know, and it probably does go to WrestleMania. Yeah. It probably goes beyond, be but it probably goes beyond, but I think we could do a we could do a long form episode carrying it to WrestleMania. I think yeah. we, we should pencil that in as as a as a as a long form episode. Yep, I agree. I agree. We're putting that down. But that was good, Dave. That was a that was a great uh that was a great assessment, um, you know, out of the blue, uh, out of air. <laughs> I feel like you've had that in the back. I feel, I feel like you've had that in the back of your mind already. <laughs> oh, no, I bet, honestly, that I, you could probably ask the question again and you could come up with a completely different approach and, and, and just be as good. Right. Probably. You're probably right. Okay. Let me see. As far as I see here, there are no more invasion questions. <laughs> All right. Number 10. Number 10. Okay, this one this one we sort of talked about on the past on a on the past mailbag, but this is a different twist. So this person asked, I know you guys did a previous question about if Ricky Steamboat did not lose the Intercontinental title to the Honky Tonk Man. In 1987. My question is, what if Butch Reed did not 
forget or blow off the house show. And Butch Reed defeats Ricky Steamboat to become the Intercontinental Champion. Okay. So, so the natural Butch Reed becomes Intercontinental Champion in, what is it, late May? Late May. Oh, yeah, 82. early June. June 2nd. It's early, June 2nd. Early June. Yeah, that is that the is that the um the taping or when it yeah. actually aired? No, it was a super. It was a taping. I believe it was in Buffalo, and uh, it was, and Ricky Steamboat was still taking the time off, so that part of it hasn't changed. And Vince is having him drop the belt, but this time, Butch Reed is there, and Butch Reed does defeat, um. Ricky Steamboat and does become the Intercontinental Champion. So the official date was June second, nineteen eighty-seven. It, it's it's an interesting situation because I was never a big fan of Butch Reed in WWE. I, I never, I, I didn't really like the the natural character. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he brought a heck of a lot to the company. So we know that that was the, the rumors, the story was that's who was slated to, to take the title from Steamboat. So I, I've always thought that if, if that was the case, I think it would have been a short-term um, uh, reign. I think what you may have got there is, um, and I, I'm obviously going on, what they were hoping might happen before other incidents occurred as well. Right. I, I think I think one of the desires, if they put that title on Butch Reed, might have been to try and recreate a little bit of Butch Reed versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would have tried to uh, have them as maybe Butch Reed's first defense uh you know, championship defenses against someone like uh, Jim Duggan. Not not for Jim Duggan to win it, but just, you know, knowing that they've got some chemistry, knowing that they've got some history elsewhere, that they know how to work together. None of that would have been brought up by the company. But I think you you have Butchery probably having a series, you know, house show series against someone like um, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You're probably going to have him... Uh, you know, look, who's he going to feud with? He, uh, probably um, have him feud with Don Morocco um, because that, that's where I think they would have gone. I think you would have gone into a primary feud between Butch Reed and, and, and Don Morocco because that's that, the whole Butch Reed injures uh, superstar Billy Graham thing. I think you could have still done that with, with Reed being the intercontinental champion. Um, and... You know, even played in the but superstar was like, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm coming back and I, I'm after some gold and I'm I'm going to become the Intercontinental Champion because that title wasn't around when I was last in the company. So, you know, you get the injury, you get Butch Reed putting putting him out. He he then goes into a bit of a feud with with uh, with Don Morocco, and look, then then I think you've really got to look at getting the belt off him. Um, I don't think he's a long-term champion. I don't think he's someone you want holding the belt into mania. And so it really comes down to, does he have enough heat that might allow you to 
burn Randy Savage babyface and put the belt back on Savage? Or do you look at putting the belt on Brutus Beefcake? I mean, I, I could see you, you building to a storyline with Brutus the Barber with because of that bleached blonde hair that the natural has. I think the crowd would have gone nuts if Brutus Beefcake could have cut that hair off his head. Hmm. And maybe and maybe that's where you go. Maybe maybe that's where you go. You 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 look at as you're getting behind Brutus Beefcake as the barber in '87, perhaps in late '87 at Madison Square Garden. You know, maybe November or December, maybe just before um just before Survivor Series. Maybe in November, you put the title on Brutus Beefcake, and you start to have some matches on that. Maybe then then are the opposing captains at uh, Survivor Series, and you're building to a match. Maybe Saturday night's main event. Uh, is the rematch between Brutus and uh, Butch Reed in which Brutus Beefcake puts Reed to sleep and cuts off that ridiculous bleached blonde hair. Right. And um, and then Beefcake moves into 88 as your IC champion and Butch Reed can go and battle whoever you want or he gets ready to leave the company as he did a couple of months later. Mm. I don't see Butch Reed being anything more than a transition, though. I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think another guy that, that probably would deserve a pretty solid IC title run, um, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of names that you might have, you, you mentioned. I mean, I like Morocco, Jake. Um, mm. um I don't like a guy like Duggan as champion. That that kind of I know I know you're gonna laugh at me when I say that, but um, he just never seemed like a champion guy. And that's just me, but a guy that needed a belt. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, yeah, beefcake, I guess. I mean, Hogan's there, so I mean, he's already got an in. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. Hmm. Maybe Bam Bam. Maybe maybe you maybe you um maybe that's a way to to help the push of Bam Bam Bigelow is to have him enter a maybe he he goes straight up against Butch Reed when he after he debuts in the company and you know maybe it's spurning the 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 advances of of Slick as a manager. Butch Reed takes offense when. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow announces that Oliver Humperdick's going to be his manager and the Intercontinental Champion attacks Bigelow and, and Bigelow's first, you know, first series in the company is is a um, uh, entering into the Intercontinental title feud with um, with Butch Reed and, and perhaps taking the belt off him. Uh, yeah. I could definitely see that. Um, I'm trying to get some other baby faces. Well, I mean, obviously, one baby face that we're not talking about is the Ultimate Warrior. I think eventually the belt would have gone on him hmm. at some point. I do think at some point the belt would... Uh, I think the belt would have eventually 
gotten to the Ultimate Warrior. I do think that would have happened. Yes. Um, I think the path would have been a little more serpentine. I think perhaps maybe he beats Butch Reed. Say at the Royal Rumble, you know, maybe that's a big match to go with the Hogan Andre contract signing. You have Warrior beat Butch Reed for the world for the Intercontinental Title on that Royal Rumble television special on USA the same night as that absolutely unwatchable slop known as the Bunkhouse Stampede. (laughs) I think that might have been a bit early for Warrior, though, because his momentum really started building after WrestleMania 4. I think that the issue you've got is you probably got to, like you said, you've got to chop the belt a couple of times. You know, Butch Reed loses it to someone that person loses it to to another heel, and then that's who Ultimate Warrior takes down at, at. So you think, all right? So you think that regardless, Warrior does Warrior shouldn't win it before SummerSlam? No, because I don't think he was over. And I, I think you look at the you know you look at the build for Warrior. Yeah, you know, he came in in late '87 at at Royal Rumble. In 87, he, he was just another guy in there. He didn't get much of a reaction from the crowd when he came in at, into that rumble. Um, he's not he, – and even his match against Hercules at WrestleMania 4, he doesn't get a great massive reception. It's it's really post-WrestleMania 4 that his momentum builds. So I don't think he's got enough crowd momentum to warrant winning the belt at Royal Rumble. I think you've got to find a couple of other guys to transition through. Mm, okay. And I, and, I, and I don't think Butch Reed has enough heat to have the long reign that Honky Tonk Man had. Because Honky was just so good that that impersonator character, that Elvis character, became so hated. That's what allowed them to keep the belt on him so long because he could just generate that heat. Um, and the guitar and, and, you know, being the greatest of all time, that's where the heat came from. I don't think Butch Reed gets that. True. I'm wondering why this, here's a question, Dave, that, that kind of goes with, it's a question within a question. Wonder why Vince, let's, let's look at that for a minute. That this might be, I mean, we, maybe we're going down a rabbit hole, uh, a looking glass. We should. Why, why do you think – why do we think that Vince thought but, anything of Butch Reed to begin with? His size. He was huge. Yeah. Oh, he's a Vince-sized guy. But, I mean, look, well, Bill, Watts, not, gonna... Bill Watts did his best in Mid-South to put Butch Reed over as the next big you know, guy after, after JYD left. And he was okay. I think he's a better heel. I didn't really. I watched all that mid south on the network, and I was not impressed with him as a babyface. I thought he was ten times a better heel. Um, but I just look at Butch Reed and go, "Yeah, he's jacked. He's a big dude, but is he a guy that could like carry the Intercontinental title? Is he a guy that could that could carry the 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 division?" Ugh. Well, let's, let, let's get let's go through because we're talking early 80s really if you go through wrestlemania 3 and you look at the heel side of things he's not going to put the belt back on savage 
that, no, that, Savage, that, that, yeah, that, Savage is on another trajectory. Savage is yeah, on another but, trajectory. But also, also, that would just completely derail everything they did at WrestleMania if they put the belt straight back onto Savage. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for the Steamboat storyline. So Savage is out of the picture. If you go through the Mania 3 card, I'm just off the top of my head, Orton, Cowboy Bob Orton and Don Morocco, they're, in, they're tagged. They're not, they're not up to that standard anymore. They're, they're, they're down the card now. King Kong Bundy has just done the midgets thing. He's really on the the his best days are past him. Yep. Um, you know, you've got uh I'm just I'm just going through the the card. I'm just in my head going through the card. Adrian Adonis, unfortunately, was gone from the company not long after WrestleMania 3. And that that could have been an issue because if Adonis had stayed. Maybe he might have had some momentum to to put the belt on him, but I don't think Vince liked the idea of putting a belt on someone who had blown out the way Adrian Adonis did. We all, you know, the the, the general held belief is the adorable gimmick was a punishment for putting on weight. Adonis made it work. Um, Adonis made everything he did in that company work. I don't think Vince would have seen him as a uh, as a champion, mm-hmm. um, Harley Race had been given the King moniker, but he really was probably too old to be given the IC belt. Um, you know, if you're trying to not give it to Honky, I- I'm I'm starting to run out of Paul Orndorff is probably too over, uh, too above the IC title at this point, and he's got his injury. Um. Everyone else is sitting in tags. The Islanders are in tag. The, you know, um, the Rougeos, Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine are the new dream team. I mean, I really, I think when you look at the roster, there weren't many other options. Yeah. I, um, I would like to think that that Adrian Adonis would stick around because if he stayed in the WWF, then maybe he doesn't die in the car crash. <laughs> um, but that's a total, yeah, but that's a total, uh, that's another looking glass. Um, yeah. I mean, I could maybe, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going through the ca- I, 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 I don't want to, I think you're right in one sense about Orndorff that is he's, but I still think he would have been a pretty decent intercontinental champion, though. I don't, I don't yeah. totally hate that idea. But where was he at with his injury? Like, I think he was out by this point. Yeah, he was probably gone out to to recover from the from from what happened to his arm and neck. Right. Yeah, I know. Right. It's a tough path. Because, I mean, I think we're going to assume that you're right. Warrior doesn't get hot really till after Mania. And that, that road from the end of March till the end of August is when he really builds. So we're going to assume, even in this alternate universe, that that Warrior still wins the IC belt at SummerSlam. It's just what to do before that. How do we get from, from Ricky Steamboat to the Ultimate Warrior? I think if you've got it on Butch Reed, I think you've got to take it off Reed at some point. I don't think you can carry that far. You might put it on, might put it on Jake. You might put it on, uh, like I said, Brutus Beefcake could probably be 
the the prime candidate and then and then dare I say honestly do you end up with the belt back on honky do you end up putting on a honky anyway or do you put it on someone I mean if you if you're talking early 88 you take the belt off um off beefcake for or, yeah around wrestlemania you could be looking at then at maybe like Greg Valentine gets a Second IC title run as a little bit of a reward for his loyalty to the company. Um, you know, just trying to think of who's around. But by WrestleMania 4, you've still got a couple of new guys around. I mean, you've got one man gang. Gang's in by, by WrestleMania 4. Um, you could put the belt on him. Uh, you could put the belt on, I don't think you put it on bad news. But, you know, Dino Bravo's now. You know, he's the world's strongest man now. He, you've got a couple of guys at least in who left the tag ranks by WrestleMania four. Um, so if you're wanting right. to move the belt to someone who Warrior can beat, you've got guys like Greg Valentine and Dino Bravo who you could stick the belt on for a short period of time. Dino Bravo could have been an option, world's strongest man, and you know, out comes Warrior and just absolutely decimates him in no time. It, it at least would play into that surprise factor. Right. Um, yeah. Mm. Okay. Maybe, maybe you put it on rude earlier. Oh, um, maybe. Cause the feud with Jake in 88 hot. Maybe Jake and rude. I, I think what you do is I think you put it on butch Reed. I like Jake as an option because I think you could use Jake and Rude through 88 and then maybe you have Warrior beat Rude at SummerSlam 88. Although I this breaks my heart because I don't want to waste 1989. I don't know if <laughs> Vince would Vince wouldn't do that. And then you have to wrestle and then you'd have Warrior and Jake for three straight pay-per-views. Uh well, three straight, well, I guess three out of four. And Vince well, wasn't doing that shit back then, so... How, how about this, then? How about this? Um, someone like Jake wins the title from Butch Reed, late 87, early 88. Mm -hmm. Enters a feud with Rude. Rude takes the title off him at WrestleMania. Okay. Then, at the tapings, the TV tapings, he comes on to... Um, on to Cheryl, so you add more heat to the feud because it's initially it's he's just taken the title off him. Then mm -hmm. he tries to take his woman from him. So then you've got the extra heat and you go into SummerSlam and Rude beats um, beats Jake there, um, cheats, whatever. Then you can start to transition. They can do something else through sort of the summer. And then you can launch the 88, the 89 storyline. Rude and Warrior could still have the pose down at Rumble. It's just that Warrior is in the form of the challenger. Um, Rude could still issue the challenge for the pose down because he's jealous of Ultimate Warrior's body. Yeah. And then Warrior beats Rude at WrestleMania for the title in the match that they, you know, in the great match that they, we know they can have. Then they can just have their rematch at SummerSlam '89, and and Warrior keeps it, and, and Roddy Piper interferes, and 
So you still get your, your your two Warrior matches in 89. just means you hold off putting the belt on Warrior until WrestleMania 5. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I still, I still don't want to lose that SummerSlam no. 89 match. <laughs> no. It's hard to lose. That's what I, like that, I like that. I like that path, though. I do like that path, though. It's always the issue with our, with our, um, with through going through each of these looking glasses is you, you, you pull one, uh, you pull one thread and, and, you know, what what else comes undone with it? Exactly. That's the hard part. Um, well, thank you for that question. Um, I think the the main answer is for that is uh, um, there'd be more title changes before we get to uh, the Ultimate Warrior. Let's put it that way. Would now you 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 did ask a good question? Would hockey still be an option down the line? And that, and my answer is no. I think by the time we get to Warrior, hockey is is kind of already out of gas in '88 into '89. I think he's more of a joke at that point. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he's if he would be even worth it. But that's just that's just me. I think um, without the IC title run, Honky becomes nothing more than a jobber to the stars. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, okay. Uh, thank you for that question. I know we did our best there to try and, uh, um, you know, make Butch Reed look as good as we can, but Dave would have nothing of it. So, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. What do we have uh, next? Uh, what's the next? All right. I've generated number four. Number four. Oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, we might be able to, this might be our last one. I think we could wrap up with this one. This is actually not a bad question. What if, this actually has nothing to do with WWF, actually, Dave. This is actually a TV question. Ready? Yep. What if either Jim Crockett Promotions or more likely Mid-South gets the time slot on ESPN instead of the AWA in 1985. This person says more likely since Crockett was already on TBS and they probably wouldn't be happy with them being on a competing cable channel. Yeah. Um, so so AWA, which at the time needed a deal because Hogan had left, all these guys migrated to WWF. They were, I just watched the, the, the rag, the, the AWA documentary, The Spectacular Legacy. I just rewatched it a while back. So in 1985, you've got all these guys are gone. Hogan, you know, Jesse, Bobby, um, Jake, not Jake, um, Mean Gene. Like these guys are all gone. And um, AWA is a little crippled. Um, so the question is, If they don't get the ESPN slot, I think they'd be in a lot of trouble. I think oh, they would be in quite a bit of trouble, to be honest. If I, look, AWA were in a lot of trouble as it was, and probably the ESPN spot 
gave them some life support a lot longer than they than they would have had. I think if they hadn't got onto ESPN, the company probably would have run out of money and folded in in probably '86. Yeah, I think they I think they got two two extra two three extra years out of that ESPN deal um, because by the end of it, all they were doing was just taping shows for ESPN. They weren't even really doing any house show work by, you know, sort of late, you know, 89, 90, 89, they were, house shows had sort of stopped. So that's, um, that's the, that's where AWA goes. They go, they go bankrupt much earlier. Um, mm. It's probably coaches the last couple of guys a little bit earlier because there's just nothing, no reason to stay with them. And guys like Kurt Henning probably go to WWF 12 months earlier than they do. Right. Um, so I don't think Crockett, I agree with one the one thing you said there, I don't think Crockett would have even considered the ESPN spot or, or courting ESPN or being courted by ESPN because of um, the TBS deal, you know they're with they're with Turner, they're with TBS. That that they've got they've already got cable coverage nationwide. Um, right. They don't need, yeah. They don't need ESPN. Um, to that that's they just don't need them. They don't need them for. I mean, they didn't they didn't make the best use of what they had, but they definitely didn't need um, need them. And, and we all know part of the. Turner's love for, for Crockett and buying WCW was that WCW had been on his network for so long, but it was a big ratings. Um, uh, it was a big ratings show for him. It was near the top of his ratings in its time slot. That's why he wanted the wanted to keep it. Right. So, so that's that. I think rules out Crockett. Um, Mid South's an interesting situation because in so what we said was 85 that the the deal sort of got struck that's probably when mid-south were at their was that probably when they were really getting to their absolute peak as as a company well not it depends because jyd had already left he was gone because by 85 he's at the first wrestlemania so jyd's gone and that was their guy they still had Duggan. They still had DiBiase. Um, I think they had – they might have still had Rude before Rude went to Crockett. Oh, no, he was in world class. Not he was in Sorry. World he was in world class. Um, you've got the Fantastics, the Midnight Express are there. Uh, Butch Reed is still there. Um, and they, you get the rock and rolls come in not long – before they do their run into um, into Crockett, they have a little stint in UWF, don't they? In um, in Mid South. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, they're there for a brief spell, but they eventually go to uh, they eventually go to um, uh, to Crockett. Yeah, they make. They, I think they weren't going to stick around too much longer there anyway. So, um, but I guess where I'm coming from is if if if. Mid-South, if Bill Watts was able to get the ESPN deal in 85, there's a few guys there that are going to get some pretty big exposure and it would allow his company to get a, a more national 
um, national audience. And look, I mean, I, I don't, I, a lot of what I know of Mid-South and UWF, I, I've had to read about. I, I didn't live it. I, I didn't live in America at the time. I don't live in America now. But, um, but I, I, I've sort of, my understanding is there are two massive factors on the why Mid-South morphed, you know, morphing into UWF went out of business. The morph, my understanding is the morphing into UWF was to try and create a more nationally accepted brand. And then the territory areas that they were in went into massive financial issues with the drying up of the oil industry. If I'm if I'm correct, and I mean I I'm, I'm you may know more than I do. But if they if if that's the case, that's why it, it sort of the, the territory died. But if you've got that national exposure and can start moving into other areas earlier than what Bill Watts had the opportunity to do, then maybe Mid-South turns into UWF. Maybe they do actually have the legs to last a little bit longer to become a, a viable third alternative to Crockett and WWF. Just with that national exposure might then allow them to, to take their, their product to some areas that weren't going to be as affected by the the changes in the oil industry. That is true. Um, now, also, World Class, World Class eventually went to ESPN because that's where I watched them, but it was much later. Um, but they were, I mean, they were eighty five. The funny thing is, World Class's window was so much smaller. Um, like they started pooping out. They they struggled right after David died. Once the first domino fell in that family, it wasn't the same. I'm watching it right now. I'm watching World Class in '88 on the network, and it's just it's just unwatchable crap at this point. You have like the there was a civil war with the Freebirds, and like it's just a, it's just a giant mess. Um, but the, the, uh, best, the best bet for the best bet for World Class would have been post the original parade of champions in 84 um when when you've just drawn that big crowd at at texas stadium kerry just won the title that you were still at the at the apex of the freebirds von erics feud if they had managed to get national exposure at that point um you might have had some differences because it might have allowed you to attract some new guys in, which would have meant that you didn't become solely reliant on the Freebirds and the Von Erics. Correct. Correct. And, so, and that would have that that might have allowed that might have allowed um, their company because we know that World Class did the same thing. They tried to expand into other areas where they had no television coverage, really, and it never worked. Um. I think the issue with the von Eric, with um with world class is always the the presentation of the von Erics, um, and unfortunately their lifestyle choices impacted on what they were able to do. Um, Kerry's injury, Kerry's um, Kerry's drug use and his injuries and his and his motorcycle accident, losing his leg. Kevin was never the, the didn't have the charisma that Kerry did. So 
you know, your window there was very short. And by the time, like you said, by the time world class got on anything resembling, um, you know, a national television audience, they'd already pretty much had a dead company. Uh, yeah, they were kind of cooked. So if 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 ESPN wanted wrestling in, in the mid 80s, um, obviously Vince wouldn't go there because he was already entrenched with the AWA family, uh, AWA, the USA family of networks. So that wasn't going to fly. Crockett wouldn't do it because they pretty much ran TBS. <laughs> they had their they had their pick of the litter there. Um. Mid-South probably was the best option, if not the AWA. Um, But of all the networks, and of all the network, of all the the, uh, territories at that moment, AWA was the one most closely on life support. Um, And they made some dumb decisions, you know, given the world title to Stan Hansen. You never give a world title to those kind of gypsies, you know, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody. Those guys don't stick around. That was a dumb idea. Um. World Class was making money. They were okay in 85. It really wasn't until like 87 that they really became unwatchable. So they might have gotten a boost in 85, Dave, maybe, uh, if they got there. I can't imagine any other promotions. Everything else was in the pooper. So. Yeah, it, it really would have to be Watts or Von Eric. And maybe, maybe if, if one of them got, um, if one of them got the ESPN time slot instead of AWA, is it possible that they might have reached out to the other to try to work together? So is it possible that UWF, and instead of going to pieces and having to be bought out by Crockett, is it possible that they maybe try to work together with World Class to, to build a, a, a stronger product, uh, merge the two companies and, and, and move forward that way? Mm, that's possible, sure. I I do think that I do think that uh, that um, uh, somebody would have gone to ESPN if not the AWA. But in terms of at that moment, the AWA was still clicking. They were not making the best roster decisions. They were kind of stupid. Uh, the fact Vern, the fact on that documentary, Vern said Hogan didn't need the title. He was better without it. I'm like Vern, what the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, are you on drugs? <laughs> I know he loved those. He hated Hogan because Hogan a didn't give him his didn't give him any of his Japan money, which he shouldn't have, and b he didn't like it because Hogan wasn't quote a real wrestler, and that is why the AWA went under because Vince because uh, Vern Gagne still thought it was the 1970s, and that's what killed him. You don't you don't keep the belts on the guys that wrestle the best. You keep the guys you keep put the belts on the guys that make you money, and Hulk Hogan was going to make him money. And instead, and I, and I, he didn't. Yeah, and I think if you go back to that, yeah, you know, this ESPN question, you're not just looking at, you know, who's in a position to use it, but if you want to look at who would benefit or who 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 maybe would who would use the time slot best, maybe that's the good question. From everything I've heard, Bill Watts' TV product in the mid '80s was outstanding. What he was presenting was outstanding. Brits always had issues with, like I said, it was always the Von Eric, it was always the, the 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 family show, and that can get tiresome at a national stage. I think 
Brits, uh, I think Bill Watts would have made the best of the national opportunity. I think he, and he might have, like we said, it, having a national opportunity might allow you to bring a couple of guys in that might not have otherwise joined their their territory because of that chance to be seen around the nation, boost their image to maybe get some a money opportunity from Vince. Um, but all in all, it allows you to to build your company. I think Bill Watts would have used the time slot better than anyone else. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think if it's either it's gotta be it's gotta be Watts if he decides not to sell to Crockett. Um or or the Von Erics, but I think I think Watts was probably the best option at that time because he was still pretty viable as a uh he was still pretty viable as a uh uh as a promotion at that time. I think AWA was crumbling and uh Von Erichs had kind of their own issues um, internally, and uh, I don't know if if how that would have worked out for them, even if they were on TV. I don't know how much longer. I think the ratings would not have been the best. So, um, thank you everyone for those questions. We got five in in the span of ninety minutes because we love to talk. Um, but but we do have uh, questions. We didn't get to your question. Uh, we are going to put it in the hopper, and it will be uh, on our next uh, mailbag episode. Maybe we'll do two next year, Dave. Maybe we'll do one in the summertime um, because we have so much, uh, uh, you know, because we'll probably get more. So um, so thank you, everyone. Uh, we know where to find Dave. Dave goes around our Facebook groups. You can instant message him at Dave Hall. Um He's the best. Uh, Dave, you were awesome tonight, as always. Thank you. Um, you could find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Scott C. Podfather, but please follow the brand on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. We do polls. We do wrestling time travel. Speaking of, we do all sorts of fun stuff. Um, uh, we had a good weekend of uh, stuff this past weekend and this week with the, the second Making Towns episode of the Place Be Podcast. Um, as you saw, uh, we went to Las Vegas. It's Steve Riddle. I hope everyone liked my Oakland A's hat. Hope everybody got the joke. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, it seems that we're getting great responses, great feedback. We thank you so much uh, for your uh, love and support on our on our shows. And uh, uh, and we're going to keep doing it. So um New episode of uh, YouTube Roulette was this past weekend. With new episode, uh, Doctor G and I of the uh, PTB Weekend Special. Uh, we got a lot of great stuff uh, for you between now and the end of the calendar year, and then we're going to have a lot of fun in 2024. Dave, it is always a pleasure. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, sir. Uh, sipping my ties, which is very, <laughs> which is very mind bending. Um, anything you want to say before we go? Uh, Merry Christmas to to yourself, Scott. I hope it Thank is you, a nice and cozy one. I, and yep. uh, more importantly, a Merry Christmas to all our listeners. And I hope you guys have a very safe Christmas time period. Thank you, Dave. And uh, we had another great year together, you and I. We had some awesome shows. Uh, you're one of my favorite people to do show with. Um, you're knowledgeable. 
and like me, you like to talk, so I don't have to hear myself. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, we're gonna have a fun year in 2024. We probably might have found a couple of uh, show topics tonight <laughs> for 2024. So, uh, so check, uh, so check us out on all the on all the stuff, and uh, we will be back, of course, with our next episode in January. Um, you know, it'll probably be something, uh, you know, something rumbleish. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe it's something different. We don't know. Anyway, have a wonderful Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. And we will see you in January of 2024, a new year through the looking glass. It's getting me dawn. When lights close the tired eyes. I'll soon be